The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org or in person at Citizen, our nonprofit coffee shop and program space, located at 3636A North Mississippi Ave. We're open most days, 9 to 1. And be sure to check out our website for upcoming movie screenings and dinners with local media makers. I'm Rachel Miller Howard. On today's show, we're joined by Lynn Trainer and Helen Elder of Villages Northwest. When I get older, losing my hair, many years from now. Of course, Paul McCartney, when I'm 64, this is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined by two women in the studio today. 
good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Lynn Trainer is executive director for Villages Northwest, which we will talk about what villages mean. And Helen Elder is a volunteer for Clark County Villages Northwest. I think we need to start with 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 what what does villages mean? So the village movement started about 15 years ago in Boston when a group of people who had lived in Beacon Hill and the Back Bay for many years uh, realized that they were going to need some help as they aged. They had begun to lose spouses, neighbors, things like that, and some of them were not able to drive anymore. And so they came together and formed a nonprofit where volunteers would pitch in and provide assistance to people who wanted to stay in their home as, as they age. So they, but it is staying in your own place, it's yes. not? It's not a physical place. If I ruled the world, we would not call them villages because first you have to tell them what it's not. Because <laughs> I, I had in my mind sort of like a Melrose place for the elderly. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. Okay. This is people staying in their own homes in their or in their own communities. How does this differ from home care? Well, we do not provide medical services at all. Our goal is to fill in the gaps of everyday living. So we do things like provide transportation. We do household chores, uh, help with yard work, help people figure out what's wrong with their cell phone when they can't make it work. Can I get one of these? <laughs> yeah. It's a very handy thing. <laughs> it sounds great. My lawn needs to be cut. Um, how, how, does, how does one qualify well, so it's sort of self-qualifying. Mm -hmm. um, we have, we basically have, it's a membership organization, and so we have two levels of membership. We have people who are older, who need more services at the moment, and maybe need more connections in the community. And then we also have people who are in that 50 to 70 age range, who want the village to be strong when they're, um, as they get older having seen what's happened with their parents and grandparents. And they want to be the volunteers. They want to help do chores and occasionally have some help themselves. I can give you a little story about that, Phil. We're big on stories, so we've got all kinds of stories. So I'll give you an example of what Lynn's talking about. So one of the most recent phone calls we got to Villages Clark County was a, an 87-year-old woman. We checked her privacy, so I'll call her Violet. And um, she still lives in her own home, uh, still drives her own car, does all of her own household chores, errands, laundry, cooking, cleaning, everything. Sound wonderful. She's just sounded great. Um, her husband died last year. She lives in the home she raised her family for the last 40 years. And here's her problem. She's worried about how long she can mow her lawn. The second part of the problem is she thinks she should move into assisted living. Whoa, wait a second. <laughs> That's a huge leap. <laughs> here's this vibrant, vital woman describing her life and how much she loves her home and her neighborhood, how safe she feels there, how comfortable she is, how she believes she'll stay healthier if she stays there, and makes this huge leap. I need to sell my home and move into assisted living. We had quite a conversation. She said, my children think I should sell my home. And so they looked at that, and so she sells her home. She can afford about three or four years of assisted living. And get this, her sister just turned 102. She's not going anywhere. <laughs> but I understand, having had uh, parents who were, uh, as they got elderly and needed a little help, my mother got very worried about 
certain things that just happened and she would be worried about things and us kids would have to hear about these things no matter how many times we took care of them she was just worried about those things so I really empathize with Violet that you know if I can't mow that lawn and keep this thing keep control and maintain my independence it was a big thing about her independence then I have to go into assisted living she didn't need the health care that they offer they offer very extensive and expensive health care she didn't have any need for that so here's the gap that Lynn's talking about we're trying to fill we had another woman recently who contacted us, and she joined the village in her 80s because she wanted to help old people. She could still do most things. She told me she lives in a house in northeast Portland where the laundry's in the basement. And she's like, I can do the laundry. But as I was hauling the laundry down the stairs, I realized I don't really feel comfortable going down those steep basement stairs with my arms full. So we now send somebody twice a month to help her change her bed and help her carry laundry up and downstairs. And 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 so we started the conversation by you saying that the the movement, the village mm-hmm. movement, started 15 years ago in Boston. Where where is this in existence then? Is it, I mean, is it it's Portland? Is it mostly cities? Are there identified cities? Is there a national chapter? Are there qualifications? Right. I have lots of questions yes. about the village movement. Yeah. So the village movement has been very grassroots. There are now 230 villages open across the country and another 130 in development. Almost every one of those villages developed as their own separate nonprofit organization. There is a national group that provides mentoring to new villages, but it isn't one organization. We did something a little different here in Portland. We created one nonprofit organization, and we are developing multiple villages so that we can share resources and so that we can work together more collaboratively. And so, so uh, there are eight villages in the, in the area? Yes, six are open and providing services, and two, including Clark County, are still in development but are providing uh, social activities and are, are building their base so that they can open within the next 18 months. And when we talk about a village, we're talking about 10 households, 100 households? Yeah. So our goal is to start with about 30 members and that could be fewer than, than 30 households. And the, the villages are a geographic region, basically a group of neighborhoods. So, it, for example, in Clark Cl- County, they're refining where they're going to start, but they're sort it's of like talking about... It's like an elderly ecosystem. Yes, it's sort <laughs> of like west of 205 yeah. and sort of south of Hazeldale is, is kind of the region that we're looking around in Clark County. Our first village that opened was in southeast Portland. That went from the Willamette River to 122nd, and from that's um, like the whole city, the Banfield, uh-huh. down to the county line with Milwaukee. Okay, that's so a big region. It's a big region. And what is it that qualifies that as village? Like, is is it a certain uh, number of grocery stores or services within that, or or more more? It's where where will your volunteers go? It's the more the boundaries are, where do we send volunteers so that we're not sending volunteers from Hillsboro to Vancouver? Yeah, so the so what Lynn's talking about, like in Clark County, we are looking at our map and we can see we call it villages, Clark County, and that's because Clark County's huge area. So we can see probably three separate what we call service areas. So we kind of break down the county so that we'll have members there and then volunteers will be there also. So they don't have to go from one end of the county, volunteers to members at the other end. 
And so, so services like laundry, food shopping. The kinds of things you might ask an adult child to do. But your adult child lives in New Jersey and you live here in Portland. So errands, chores, laundry, cooking, cleaning, um, help with um, light yard work, these kinds of things that can keep a senior staying in their home with just that kind of help. And is there a social element to it? I mean, is, is there is there a, a weekly or a monthly square dance that you guys host for people or, or bingo? or? Yes, our eight villages are now organizing about 50 activities a month. And so there, there's a wide variety. Why don't you give some examples of what you're doing in so, Clark County at know, this point? So, you know, we're in the planning stage right now. We're hoping to open by the end of this year, early next year. But we already are, you'd be amazed at the people who show up. We do a couple of things. We go in the community, we do all kinds of talks, and people show up for that. But it's way more fun to go to our coffee clutches called Chais and Chats. And we have those twice a month at various coffee shops throughout um, Vancouver, and we'll have a dozen people show up, and sometimes they talk about villages, and quite frankly, sometimes they don't. They just want a cup of coffee and come out of their homes and see what other people are doing. We're very curious about uh, seniors, about what other people are doing and what's keeping them going and how are they faring and where, where can they get this and that. So we do the chais and chats. We do walks. Um, our, our volunteers and um, some potential members went um, to Fort Vancouver and walked in and had lunch. Um, and we're beefing those up and doing a variety of things. And the more we do those, the more people come and say, yeah, I want to go do that. And how about this? The last Chais and Chats, our two volunteers handled, um, they had some new people come in and they say, well, hey, can we just do a Chai and Chat ourselves up here? And we'd love to talk about villages. You can come. Sure, that'd be great. So it's this interactive. It's, you know, our, our organization's based on um, volunteers doing most of the work. When we open our villages, we have these governing councils where the members run the organization. The members and the volunteers become one. Volunteers may become members. Members run the organization. So there's a lot of synergy and energy that goes with, that's the kind of community we're talking about, is people coming together and, um, and cracking this isolation thing. You know, our doctors have found that really, in the Western culture, we have all kinds of mis- uh, bad ideas about what aging is. We just think you get old and you go downhill and you die. That's not how it works. Aging is another phase of life. But even our doctors are finding that what is causing people to go downhill? Isolation. Sitting at home by yourself. AARP did a survey. Do you know how many hours a day? We complain about the kids being too much time on their phones and their, their uh, technology. But do you know how many hours a day a senior watches TV? 11 hours a day. That's a lot of math. That lock. will <laughs> cause you to go. That's a lot of Dr. Phil. <laughs> that will cause you to go downhill. That's, a, that's just a, a, a fact. That's a medical fact. We want to bust that up. You know, people are isolated. That's not a choice. If you stop driving for whatever reason, you've got everything else. You've got your faculties. You've got everything, but you're stuck. And, you know, we have buses. We have these, but they're not really adequate for the needs that, that people want. Helen Elder is with Villages Northwest in Clark County, and Lynn Trainer is executive directors of Villages Northwest. Helen, you brought in another song for us. Can we, how about let's take a listen, and then we'll come back and talk about why Villages Northwest was chosen as the best nonprofit by Portland Monthly Magazine in 2015. I have uh, I Want to Stay Home with the Jellyfish.
This is Phil Bussey on the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined uh, by two women from uh, Villages Northwest. Helen Elder is with Clark County, Villages Northwest, and Lynn Trainer is Executive Director. 2015, uh, your nonprofit was chosen as the best new nonprofit by Portland Monthly Magazine. Why? I think it, because it was a, 
innovative idea, and it was spreading rapidly. By that time, we had six villages in development, and so the concept was really appealing to the judges at the Portland Monthly Magazine. And what, what, what role does having it as a nonprofit play? I mean, why not have it just as a partnership or a for-profit or, or just as, as, a, or as a neighborhood organization? Well, I think a lot of the reason is that uh, memberships don't always cover all of the basic costs. We're, we're a pretty economical operation, <laughs> but uh, you know, membership fees nationally cover 50 to 60 percent of organizational costs. And so especially where you have a high number of low-income uh, seniors, uh, in order to bring them in and at reduced memberships, then you need the public to come in and support us, like many other charitable organizations. And we have people ask us the question all the time because they say, um, well, you have volunteers. You do background checks and you train your volunteers, but what do you need money for? Well, it's still, you, you You know, we'll have an office when we open, for example. We'll have an office. We'll have part-time staff. And like Lynn says, the membership fees only pay half. You know, we need computers. We need phones. We need software. We need all the typical things that you would run a business for. So we really depend on the community to step up and help support us with grants and donations and things. We have very generous, very, very generous uh, in Portland. Our community is in Portland. And, and, I, and I think the, the, a bigger question or a broader question is, is it's so interesting that it seems like elderly care is changing from what it was 15 years ago. Yes. I, and, and how much is Villages Northwest uh, a trend that's part of a larger trend and how much of it is, is it maybe just its own standalone trend? Well, I think seniors, especially baby boomers, are beginning to think differently about aging. Um, if you think about typical retirement at 60 and people living into their late 80s and 90s, it really is a whole new section of life. One of my mother's friends said to me when on her 80th birthday, she's like, I don't really feel any different than I did in my 20s. I just look in the mirror and go, who's that old person? <laughs> and, you know, so, so a lot of people start a new career. They start new hobbies. They take, to me, retirement era is the time where you get to do the things you would do if you didn't have to get paid. And so if you're going to be active for another 20 or 30 years, how are you going to use that time? You know, and also, um, you have to remember, Phil, that we're of the generation that we busted up the status quo in the 60s and 70s. We hit the streets. We fought for peace. We burned our bras. We're not about to sit back and wait for the government to come up with a better way for us to age. No. We're back here, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to take control of our lives and bust up this whole ideas that we have about aging and do it differently. And there's just a groundswell around the United States. Lynn and I are out in our communities. We're talking a lot about this. And people just get so excited because it affects everyone. We all have seniors in our neighborhoods. We all have elderly parents. Some people are caregivers for their uh, parents or have a parent living with them. It affects everyone. And they're like, that is a fantastic idea. And, and, and as long as we're talking about changing the status quo and being disruptive, um, how is is there technology a part of this? I mean, is there an app for this? <laughs> is there an app for? for... I'm sure there will be by tomorrow. <laughs> we do not. We are not that technology oriented at the moment. We are we are increasingly technology oriented. Um, 
you know, I think seniors are the fastest growing uh, population in using technology. Mm -hmm. So while there is a lot of impression that people, that the seniors don't use technology, most people use Facebook. Most people have a cell phone. You know, most people have a computer. They can get email. They don't know how to troubleshoot very well, mm -hmm. but if they can do the basics. So we will be moving to more things as, as the aging population becomes more comfortable with technology. And also, um, you know, uh, we operate now, try, you know, planning and starting the, uh, doing the organizational things that we need to do to set ourselves up. We actually operate as a virtual office. All of our volunteers are plugged in. You know, we have OneDrive. We have, you know, all these things that we use to, to share documents and change things as we go along. So it's, it's, we, we do depend a lot on technology that way. It's great because you can do things a whole lot faster and quicker, <laughs> more efficiently. And I, I just want to round out our discussion. Lynn, I want to talk a little, I should have maybe started here, but this some of your background I find really interesting. You started out uh, working with OHSU and, and helped with uh, Dornbecker's Children's Hospital Foundation. Is that correct? Yes. I was fortunate to be part of the Dornbecker Foundation staff when we built the new Dornbecker in, that opened in 19. 1997, and I worked there for 20 years and built that grassroots organization along with a lot of volunteers. That was that was a very exciting thing to be part of. It's 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 an interesting comparison in that I mean you were working with kids and now you're yeah. working with elderly and you're working with very much of a physical space and and this this is also a physical space but in in a much different way in a very decentralized mm -hmm. way. I mean there's there's interesting comparisons there. Yes, and and. Actually, I came to this um, when I was working at Dornbecker. I had an elderly aunt who was rather reclusive, and she had a health issue that kept putting her into assisted care, and which was very offensive to her. And she would work her way back to uh, living independently and then have another incident. And I was like, there has to be a better way than having to share a dorm-sized room with somebody you don't know who also doesn't feel well. Uh, that mm -hmm. seemed to me to be a really terrible choice to have to make. And so I said, if I ever left doing work with children and work with Dornbecker, then I want to do something with older people to give them more choice. And the work that we had with Dornbecker was, at the time we started fundraising for that new hospital, Nobody had done any fundraising for Dornbecker for 50 years. So we really, it, we really started out with a telethon, the Children's Miracle Network telethon, as a platform, and we built a grassroots community. So what we're doing through villages is in many ways parallel to that. Lynn Trainer is the executive director for Villages Northwest. Helen Elder is helping set up the Clark County Villages Northwest. Thank you both for coming in, and if somebody uh, is elderly or has an aging parent that they would like to have become a member, what do they do? Or if they'd like to be a volunteer, the first thing they should do is go to our website, which is villagesnw.org. They can link to any of the eight villages from that site. And uh, we so 
what we ask them to do is, if they're interested, is to come to a informational meeting to learn about the villages and how they might get involved. And then if the village is open, they can go into the membership process. We have training for our volunteers. We're looking for somebody who will like crawl under my kitchen sink to change the filter because I am really not very inspired to do that. So <laughs> people who are interested in driving maybe at night or driving across town in rush hour. In my village, we have one woman who three times a month wants to go to a social activity over uh, in East Portland, and we are having a very hard time finding our volunteers who are willing to drive her at that time of day. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Special thanks to Porcano, Taqueria, Winderlea Vineyard and Winery, and Stormbreaker Brewing for supplying the meal for our last dinner with the local filmmaker. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer and editor is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.